Welcome, welcome, welcome to another exciting episode of CFB Nation hosted by me, Lever KT, a.k.a. the Governor of College Football. And look, we got some exciting, exciting people that we have here today. Nino, Nino, you want to go ahead and introduce everybody? We're going to go around the circle. This is going to get wild today. We got a lot of people on here, a lot of knowledgeable people. It's going to be a fun show. So to my, my left, we're going to go with uh, Mr. Hey Ford. How are we doing tonight, sir? I'm great, Nino. Thanks to you and KT for having me. I'm excited about this little roundtable we got going on tonight. Every time you're on the show, sir, it's always potty. I enjoy the conversations that we have. So another interesting one. Below Mr. Ford, we have awesome Debbie Dietz uh, from C2C. How are we doing tonight? Good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, pleasure to uh, to be chatting with you here again. And my Pitt Panthers, they're doing okay on Kelly's wall up there. So this is going to be a good night. I can already tell. We started off on a really good foot here. I'm, my Wildcats are right behind you, so I guess we're doing all right, right? Boomer! I, I, I'm not sure how much I... I, I the gang is back, back together? Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I appreciate you. How are we doing? Uh, you know, KT bringing me on, and I'm excited to be here. We got there, a light there, show. There he is, rounding out the circle there. We got the, yeah, we got the moon vibe. How are we doing tonight, sir? Hey, I'm great, bro. I've been waiting for this for a long time, my friends. Long time. I'm happy to be here, College Football Nation, first ever live episode in the building, so shout out to y'all, um, and I'm looking forward to talking about college football in, in full detail with the guys. Well, KT, how are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. I share the same sentiments everybody else shares. It's our first live episode i can't believe we're at this point 33rd episode i just want to thank everybody who's in here for showing all the love that y'all been showing it's been fantastic we started this thing late august to see where we're at now it's a beautiful thing fired up the growth has been fast and just you know the love that we've gotten has been awesome the guests we get on i appreciate everybody coming on you know Night in, in you know past episodes, but we're about to get into uh, the, the topics, the elephants in the room, the portal, you know, the coaching carousel. But you know, before we hop in, what do you guys think? What's longer, the Texas A&M guys leaving, or, or the coaches <laughs> switching jobs? It, it's like sixteen, right? <laughs> um, right, it's got it's getting getting real wild. Um, so we got some big names in this portal. But I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle off some names. Then we'll just go around the horn, and you guys can pick a couple names that you like. We can go from there. Um, in the poll, we got obviously number one guy, I believe. I believe KT's on the same side as me. That's Devin Leary, right? We got Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State and Drew Pine from Notre Dame. Uh, Graham Mertz from Wisconsin, who I'm rumored to go to my Wildcats. I'm hoping it doesn't happen. Uh, Cade McNamara, who's already, you know, confirmed going to Iowa. Then you got DJ Ugly, uh, Luke Altamaya, uh, a couple more. Just today, they have also uh, going into the portal. So I'm gonna just, just go with the QBs. We're just gonna go around around the horn here. Uh, K Ford, who who do, give me give me two guys that you're most interested in, uh, the quarterbacks in, in the portal. Yeah, sure. So uh, I do have to say, out of all of the uh, topics on our agenda tonight, the transfer portal is probably the one that I am least uh, qualified to talk about or, or least apt to talk about, just because there are so many things going on in the portal there's so many players in there right now like my head spins i, I saw someone tweet like just 
put me on an email list, an email blast in early February. Tell me where everybody landed. And I was like, yes, like I need that because <laughs> it's just insane right now. But I think to answer your question about quarterbacks, there are many of them in there. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see where they go because it's not just, hey, plug and play a big name at a big program. That worked with Caleb Williams, obviously, at, at USC. I know we're going to talk about the Heisman a little bit later. But he had that familiarity of the head coach was also there as well. So I don't think it always works that well. You've got someone like JT Daniels who's going in the portal again. If he lands somewhere else, it'll be his fourth different school. So for me, the quarterbacks I like the most, Devin Leary, you said it. Like I think he brings a lot to the table. I think he has a, a he has a skill set that can – adjust and fit in at a, at a variety of different places. And then probably my second one, you mentioned him as well, Spencer Sanders. Uh, he had his ups and his downs at Oklahoma State. I personally think there were more ups than downs. They did struggle at times, especially this year. I don't think that was necessarily on Spencer Sanders. Uh, I think there were other issues going on there at, on that Oklahoma State offense. So those are the two I'd go with, Devin Leary, Spencer Sanders. But I'll be honest, guys, my head spins. Every time I open up Twitter, I see a new person in the portal and I'm like, yeah, I just got to move on because I, I can't process it all right now. I'll, I'll catch up in February. Love it. I love it. It, it keeps going. It's hard for me to catch up. I'm charging the phone like three, four times a day just to keep up with it and get him out there. But uh, oh, Austin, give me give me two names, one of them not being Devin Leary, uh, yeah, that you're interested about, in quarterbacks. Yeah, how about my biggest surprise that's in so far? Austin Reed, quarterback last oh. season from Western Kentucky, was just like, came out of nowhere. I, w- I was shocked. This is a kid that came up from – division two last year like right this was kind of like the, the the safety rope dropped down out of there and he climbed out western went to western kentucky i mean was really good this year still wasn't as good as bailey zappy was i mean we we know this system just kind of produces numbers he had 4200 yards 36 touchdowns something like that so it was a good year uh, western kentucky was pretty good i thought he would just stay there he has one year of eligibility left like he's I'm assuming what has happened here is that he basically had a taste of of FBS here and said, I can do this. Let's go somewhere that's maybe a little more conducive to me showing something for a draft stock. I don't really know, but that one really surprised me. And then uh, this one didn't surprise me as much because his head coach is or, uh, is rumored to be going to Colorado with, uh, with Deion Sanders. But Colin Schley, who is at Kent State, and I play a lot of like college fantasy and those kinds of things. This is a guy that maybe isn't an NFL draft prospect, but he took over that job at Kent State this year and was really, really good, really, really productive from like a fantasy numbers perspective. So I'm interested to see where he lands. He's obviously not going to follow his coach. They're taking Dion's kid. Like they're not going to have, they're not going to bring somebody in that could possibly take that job from him in my opinion. <laughs> so, so we'll see where he ends up, but I think he could be a guy that could even go power five and, and fit in at like a, I mean, not from like necessarily system perspective, but like an Illinois type school. Like I think he could do that. Like that, I, w- I was gonna say Austin. Reed, I think that he could be surprising. I, I, I wouldn't be upset if he made it his way to Lexington. I'll just throw that out. Um, Jared, give me two guys. I have a feeling I know one of them. Um, I, obviously, you know I'm gonna say Armstrong. Uh, I'm really surprised Armstrong's not one of the top guys on the list. Um, really, you're obviously gonna know my other guy too. I really think Armstrong could go in a lot of places, but I really don't think you can you know, go in a whole lot of places in the ACC. But we did see Travis Lee from Florida State. He could go there. But Travis isn't on my list. I'm still shocked, and I know that you were shocked, um, by Notre Dame's transfer, Drew Pine. Drew Pine took his team to a two-loss season and jumped in the transfer portal. Thanks, buddy. Have a good day. I just don't <laughs> see how you – you know, Nordane, uh, the big name schools you're going to go to, I don't care where you think you're going to go after that, 
and you're the starter. So maybe he gets some news from his, you know, head coach, like, hey, you're not my guy. And, okay, dude, you're not my guy. Have a good day. I'll go win, you know, 10 games somewhere else. So Drew Pine, in my aspect, could easily go wherever he wants because he's a really, really talented young man. So, so oh, KT, I, I believe we might have touched on that, that topic a little bit on the last episode is uh, – Hey, coach told him that it was an open competition even after he went nine and two. So homeboy says I'm taking the bags and I'm out because they got that five star freshman lined up. And I, what I'm hearing is he, he's got the gun loaded, ready to go. So you got the bull in the chamber, you got to fire. Pine was like, I'm not taking the chance. I'm not taking the chance again, getting passed by a freshman. Sorry. I'm out. You you got to you got to you got to respect Marcus Freeman and his honesty though. Uh, to be that honest, you know the season isn't even over with yet. Uh, they still got a bowl game remaining, but to tell him that, and Drew Pine was able to make a quick decision, and hopefully he lands in the right place. I agree. It'll be interesting. Moon. Hey, no, hey, NC State? Ooh. Ooh, it's, it's a lot of openings. A lot, a lot of openings. That's interesting. Moon, g- give me two guys. Give me two guys. Well, I mean, the biggest names as of Monday for me is not quarterback. I'm going to go linebacker with Oregon's – your Oregon, your Oregon – Justin Flo, linebacker, Woo. announced that he was entering into the transfer portal. He was the number one linebacker in 2020 class and number uh, top 10 player nationally. And also Clayton Smith from Oklahoma. Um, he's entering into the transfer portal, big linebacker, 6'5", 240. Uh, he was a five-star recruit in the 2020, 2021 class, so number one uh, linebacker. He had 27 total offers, including LSU, Texas, Oregon, and others. Um I like this letter that he was coming. Um, Mason Mason Cobb is an honorable mention for me, but yes. I mean, I know it was I know it was kind of happening. It, it was bound to happen as far as DJ Uyunglele leaving. But I'm very interested to see just another quarterback name, like where he's where he goes, and um, open up the discussion to y'all. Like I know he's no longer <laughs> there, with Clemson, and hopefully we can look forward to the future for Clemson. But that's something I'm going to keep my eyes on, like DJ and where he ends up shaking out. So I, I got a, you know, there's a guy I'm on the list here for me. I'm personally best. I, I got to interview him and I've been a fan since the whole time. And that's Carson Steele. That's Ball State running back. I mean, he was six in the whole FBS and rushing. He entered the portal and I hear he's a busy man right now talking to a lot of people. So it'd be interesting to see where he's going. But I, there's some big names on the list. So I'm, I'm not going to spill the beans or anything. But I, I'm interested to see what he falls out because if he hits you know big 10 school i don't know he could be a, again a, a top five kid and then that just jump him in the draft so we'll, we'll see what happens kt hey, give me your name quick. who's someone on the list that you really like go ahead go I'll ahead boomer no i'll get to it all right um, kt give, give me mean, a name that you like you, on the you alluded to it uh I don't even want to talk about a player. Uh, let's talk about possibly two players going to the same school, one in which is a Carson Steele that you talked about, and also Kay McNamara is already there in Iowa. The only question I have about Iowa is who's calling plays because something yeah. has to change. That's the, that's the only thing I can say. But to get those two type of players, you will have to say coming into next season, Big Ten, Big Ten West football, Iowa will have to lead the charge if you're asking me. They're going to play defense. We know that. But can they put points on the board? That's my yes. only question. Whew. That would be a straight transformation right there. Uh, you went from Petrus to, to McNamara, and you're you you and you're bringing steel. Man, now you got offense. You had no offense. You was anemic. 
I mean, we are a thousand players. We got a thousand players right now in the transfer portal as of as of today. Last year, it got all the way up to three thousand. K Ford started off saying that his head was spinning. Mine is two right now, and we're we're still early in this process. And I'm trying to keep up to date with all of the uh, trackers and everything for transfer portal. And this is the new free agency. Like this is this is where we are now in college football, and I I would say it has grown on me tremendously. How, what say you guys? Uh, I'm, I'm, well, I, I love that you can get pretty much be a free agent in, in in season. They're still playing, and these dudes are just bouncing around. Like looking at the linebacker class right now, there's so many names. So like, and it's only going to get deeper and deeper. Um, K Ford, what? Is your team that you're looking at closely right now um, with the transfer portal, I guess outside of, like, Texas A&M, to see, like, what they do, who leaves, who comes? Uh, what, what, what do you think? Yeah, so I think, um, again, I'll, I'll be candid. With my area of work, specifically, like, making power ratings and then resume rankings as we get going in the season, to me it doesn't really necessarily matter so much when players go into the portal. It's when they come out of the portal and where they land. Like, because that's what's going to impact the team rating. Of course, their production is lost from the previous stop. But until they land somewhere new, I'm not going to move that production piece in, onto another team. So for me, just broad strokes, what I'm looking at from the transfer portal, transfer portal is, like I said, really nothing. I, I kind of don't pay attention until they land somewhere, and then I'll update the numbers in uh, in early February. But any any team that has a new coach obviously catches my eye. And that's not to say that there's not going to be movement at places that don't have a new coach. You mentioned Texas A&M. Well, Jimbo's still there, last I checked. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a massive amount of student-athletes who are leaving that program, or at least who have entered the portal. We don't know if they're actually leaving, but they've entered the portal to explore other options. So I think anytime though you have a new coach, so I'm looking at some of the coaching hires that I really like, and that's maybe Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. I think that's a really interesting one. I'm not saying I necessarily like it, but I think Hugh Freeze at Auburn is very interesting and has the has the potential to really impact the transfer portal uh, transactions, if you will. Um, so those are just two, I think, uh, that kind of stick stick out to me. But really, it's anywhere you have a new head coach. So, D- D- you know, Dion, I mean, he, he straight up walked into the room and said, bye. Like, you guys go ahead and get out of here. Make of that what you will. Again, I, I think Dion is – an incredible personality. He's obviously a great coach. He's he, he won so many games at Jackson State. I'm curious to see how that plays out at Colorado. Colorado was a really really bad team this year, guys. Mm-hmm. If you look down here on the, I have the <laughs> helmet ordered by power rating. You've got Colorado in the bottom ten of all FBS. They're by far the worst power five. So maybe he's not wrong. Of hey, all you current players, get on out of here because you're not any good. Maybe I I don't know. I'm not endorsing the approach. I'm saying it's different. You know there's going to be turnover. He's going to be bringing in his own there. So um, new coaches, that's what catches my eye and uh, has the most traction, in my opinion, with new players in the portal. Well, that was a I, great innuendo. Nino, go ahead and yeah. do your thing. Let's, let's I, was gonna say, I, I can't – I actually am super excited to just touch on that, like, Colorado aspect because me and Puma get to interview uh, Jordan Taysen from Colorado wide receiver one for them on Friday. And I, I get to get an inside look at what it is before Dion gets there because I think once Dion gets there on Tuesday, everything's going to be locked down. I might not have had the opportunity to do this with him. So it'll be cool to see what the insight is, what the vibe is there. But we want to talk coaches, right? So let's just get into this carousel of coaches. Um, obviously, you mentioned you know a couple of big names. We're just running right down. It's you know Dion went from Jackson State to Colorado. Hugh Freeze went from Liberty to Auburn. Matt Rue went from the NFL. To, to Nebraska, Fickle from Cincinnati to Wisconsin. Uh, Kevin Wilson went from Ohio State offensive coordinator to Tulsa head coach. 
You got Scott Satterfield from Louisville, Cincinnati. Um, I called this one. Uh, me, me and KT both called this one. Jamie Chadwell from Coastal Carolina to Liberty. Uh, Tim Beck from North Carolina State is an OC. He went to Coastal Carolina to fill Chadwell's role. Uh, earlier, before everything got crazy, you had uh, Alex Golet. I, I believe it's Golesh, the Tennessee offensive coordinator. He went to uh, USF. He's the head coach there. Then you got Kenny Dillingham, obviously my Ducks uh, OC. He went to Arizona State as the head coach. And then uh, just a little while ago, we had Barry Odom sign as the uh, UNLV head coach. Earlier, we had Brent Key, the interim. He took over as the head coach of Georgia Tech. And then uh, Tom Herman is FAU head coach. So there's, there's a lot of movement going on here. What is some, we're going in reverse order. I'm going to hit KT first. What, what is, what, what's got one guy outside of, like, you know, the three big names, Freeze, Dion, and um, and Fickle? What, 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 uh, what is the guy that sticks you, out to you? you? You know, at his core, I'm an I'm a X's and O's guy. Alex Golish ability to call plays other than, you know, we've we seen a Georgia slip up. We also seen uh, the massacre in South Carolina. But other than that, we've seen his ability to call plays, his understanding of film. Uh, I, I like to go back directly to the play where I, I, it wasn't the 55 yarders, the second touchdown that Tennessee scored against Kentucky. First, we seen Hyatt on the outside, Tillman on the outside. Golish seen the coverage that he wanted. He swapped them. He put Tillman on the outside, put Hyatt on the inside. And like I said, they attacked that safety for Kentucky the entire game. It was a, a post-wheel concept. Boom. So I'm interested to see what type of athletes he can get there. Uh, hopefully he can get a, a quarterback that can sling the ball. And I'm interested to see what he could do there. I think he has a big future. He might have left a year too early. He might have got a better job if he waited. But Alex Golish is the guy I'm looking at. I like that. I like. I have to use Kentucky as your example. You know, uh, of course. I got to take a jab at you. Know, I'm what not we saying do. we'll get everybody. A hundred percent. I I I think it was. Give me give me a guy. I'll say. Um, you talked about Kentucky, but I thought it was interesting that Kentucky ended up extending Mark Stoops through, uh, what, 2030 right now? 65 and 58 in 10 seasons leading the Wildcats. Uh, the one that, you know, stood out to me, um, Trent Dilfer as UAB's head coach. I think I would be watching a, a lot more UAB now. Um, I, I, I want to see how that works out. Um, that was a surprise. Um, I know that uh, Coach Clark ended up announcing his retirement in June, and then Brian Vincent took over interim basis. Uh, and then Vincent, he went 6-6, six and six, 2022. Uh, I think that they are about to enter into the Bahamas Bowl. And I think that him taking the jump from the high school level, already being a head, uh, being a, in the NFL coach, he knows what it takes. He will be somebody I have my spotlight on. This stuck out to me. Uh, the other one was Brent Key <laughs> because I saw his press conference and he was charged up, man. He was charged up. He's talking about dominating. He said he wanted to dominate Georgia. <laughs> and I said, whoa, there. <laughs> Coming in with all the smoke. I love it, though. Like, I love that for, for their program. I mean, he went 4-4 four and four following uh, Coach Collins' dismissal. And now you take over, you know, uh, a fighting in a, a high-profile recruiting area in Georgia. I think it's going to take some time, but I'll have my eye on him. And then last but not least, Kenny Dillingham. 
I always have like feelings when coaches go back to their alma maters and everything, but um, this is one of my favorite hires outside of Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin. But I, I just love the fact that they're banking on a young a young head coach, 32 years old, coming in to take over a program that has some NCAA issues. Um, I think that he's passionate about uh, just being in Arizona, the state of Arizona. Watching his press conference was probably my favorite one that I emotional. got a chance to tune. Yeah, emotional, mm-hmm. tugging on your heartstrings and everything. And I think that he can, with time, get you know the state of Arizona behind him. Is it a rocky slope? Yes, for sure. But do they think that they have the guy for the job? Yeah. And I think you would want to get somebody that has been there with the alma mater. Um I have to do some like deep searching so I can give y'all a guru nugget, but yeah, those are those are the ones that stuck out to me. <laughs> uh, I, he's the youngest coach right now in the FBS, correct? For Kenny, For sure. I have to fact check it. I have to fact check it, but I, I know That's he's thirty-two. Yeah, that sounds correct. Yeah, GJ was just a you know quarterback at Tulsa not too long ago, so. Look at that! Right. All right, Boomer. Since you're the next man up, give me, give me, give me a guy on the head coaching carousel that sticks out to you and you love the landing spot. I mean, for me, it, I, I just want to see Kevin Wilson back in Oklahoma. So him going back to Tulsa is huge to me. I'm actually surprised they took him over GJ Kinney because GJ Kinney was a player there, um, and I know that he was interviewed, but. Kevin Wilson's a much better offensive mind. He's been really, really good at wherever he's been. Um, now he's, you know, hadn't had some luck before, but I think Tulsa looks at it as like, listen, he could be the guy for the next five years. Um, Tulsa has been up and down ever since they lost Bill Blankenship, um, who's my uncle, by the way, from only coach to go, go 11 wins there. And then they fired him after three seasons, which makes no sense. Uh, but the fact of the matter is you don't fire a coach who goes 11 wins at Tulsa and expect to succeed after that. Um, and he never had a losing season. So then you bring in Kevin Wilson. I think Kevin Wilson is a, is a great offensive mind. Was at Oklahoma with Bob Stoops. He's been under, you know, coaches with uh, Day and stuff like that. I would argue he might be even better coaching Day because Day took over two great, you know, from Jim Trestle and then Urban Meyer. Tell me what – Day's done. They, they better win this bowl game because otherwise I've got we got we're in a conversation. So, and he ain't gonna win this bowl game. So there's that. I love it. I, I'm so I, hey, I get boom, to be with my brother. <laughs> love it. I love it. All right, Austin, give me a guy that that sticks out to you that hasn't been mentioned. So I, there, I, I actually this is the rare coaching cycle where, as of today, like I like almost all of the hires. Uh, I think compared to a lot of years past, a lot of it's like good, you know, both good candidates, but also kind of good matches with candidates to school. So I actually want to pick out one that I think was a bad hire. I want to talk about Scott Satterfield going to Cincy. <laughs> I don't think Scott Satterfield's a good coach. He no. <laughs> consistently was a five hundred right around there at Louisville. Oh. They 25 and 24 to be exact, Austin. They probably want to fire him. Like he was on the hot seat all year. (laughs) If you're Cincy, and we talked about this a little bit on the C2C pod this week, if you're a school like Cincy that, you know, kind of caught lightning in a bottle a season or two ago and really had all these guys come in and, and make it to the playoff, and then Fickle leaves, 
you as a school almost have to take like you don't take the known average coach you have to kind of go out there and look like what's the mystery box out there is it dion is it um you know i'm trying to look just look at some of these other names is, is it kenny dillingham like you don't really know if he can like go out and find one of these mystery boxes and hope that they can take you back to that rather than going with a guy that you're pretty sure we know by now won't take you again to that level so that that's just a perplexing hire to me the fact that like now louisville doesn't have to pay his buyout i'm interested to see what happens to all the recruits there do they stay but that one just sticks out to me like this is going to be a disaster phenomenal take Especially, you know, Luke Fickle, um, Chip Kelly, or sorry, yeah. Um, you you got to think of the what? coaches been at Cincinnati, <laughs> right? Sorry. Brian before, Kelly. Brian Kelly. Yeah. Brian Kelly, sorry. Before this guy, I don't know how you even – I'm with you. How do you hire him? Like, I, just, I don't get it. I, there's I mean, plenty of offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators around the league that I take before him. I mean, maybe they looked at the success he had at uh, App State. I, I, from from thirteen to eighteen, and okay, but we'll I mean, no, I'm just making a case. I'm just making a case for the hire. If they if they if they were sipping yeah, no, the Kool Aid, no. uh, but I the think they got nervous. They were in on Dion and lost it, and they panicked. I mean, yeah, I mean, you had the eggs in the basket trying to get Coach Coach Prime. But I mean, his, his his lack of success at a Power Five level definitely is concerning, and I think that goes back to uh, Austin's point. Guru, I believe we got a question in the audience. Could you read that for me? Yeah, it's coming from Joe the Guy. It says, do you think Nebraska will be on the come up next year with Matt Rule? From Joe the Guy. Shout out to Joe. So That's actually where I was going to go with with my hire that I like was anytime you have an opening at a blue blood, I mean, it catches your eye, right? And Matt Rule is someone who has had a ton of success at the collegiate level, I mean, you talk about what he did at Temple. You talk about what he did at um, Baylor, rebuilding after what happened there with Art Bryles and that program really was in a was in a bad place. Uh, kind of everything about what's the intangibles there, as well as the on-field product. Like neither one of them were good, and he turned it around very quickly. I know he did not have a very successful stint in the NFL, but as we've seen with Nick Saban, I'm not comparing him to Nick Saban, but as we've seen with Nick Saban, as well as other college football coaches who are really good in college. It's a different game in the NFL. You're managing men. You're not managing young young men. I mean, you're, those are grown adults who are getting paid millions of dollars, although now with NIL, some of the college athletes are too. But um, that's another point. I think Matt Rule is going to be very good for Nebraska. Nebraska is a program that I also think it'll be interesting to see what happens once USC and UCLA join the Big Ten. I expect they'll do away with divisions at that point, and now you're not in the West. I think Nebraska was primed for a while there to be as good as anybody in the West. I mean, you're comparing yourself to Wisconsin, to Iowa. There is no reason Nebraska shouldn't have been competing with those teams given the history they have. I'm not saying they're necessarily going to compete with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State every single year. It's a different landscape than it was in the 90s when Nebraska was dominating. But the competition in the West was not really that great. Now that gets thrown up into the air a little bit. Nebraska is still a blue blood program. They can still win. The expectation should be, in my opinion, to win eight games there. If you win nine games, great. If you get to that 10-win mark every couple years, I think that's fantastic. A chance to play in the Big Ten Championship game should be really good. I think Matt Rule can do a good job turning them around there. Uh, And then, Austin, I like where you were going with uh, somebody you didn't like. Um, I agree with you on that one. Another one, though, guys, I don't really get Tim Beck. Um, That's the other one that I don't like. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad that that you mentioned it. I don't really get the Tim Beck to Coastal Carolina. There's a couple of reasons for that one. 
Tim Beck and his acumen and, and what he has done, both at NC State and Texas. Like, if you look at those offenses and how they compared relative to just within their conferences, even don't forget nationally, just relative to the conferences that Texas for sure, like that's a program that has all every resource, every resource you could want, especially compared to the Big Twelve. And then NC State, like they're not they're not Miami, they're not Clemson in terms of names and resources, but they're also they're on the they're on the at worst middle of resources in the in the ACC. And those offenses didn't really do anything. Couple that with the fact that Coastal Carolina is coming off their most successful uh, stint in program history. I know they've only been FBS for a couple of years, but that's not normal to have that level of success at Coastal. So now the bar is set here. You're bringing in somebody who has only ever achieved here. I'm not sure he's going to be able to meet that standard that they've come to expect here in recent years. So uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to shoot it down because we don't know yet, but that's one that just made me raise my eyebrows a little bit and be like, that's just interesting to me. So um, that's one I like and one I don't like. So I'm glad we got that question because that fed right into uh, anytime you have a blue blood that comes open, you got to pay attention. And I was going to say that doesn't happen often, but just within the last couple of years, we've had Texas Open, we've had USC, we've had Notre Dame. So it's a different world out there now. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Kay Ford. Uh, yeah. This guy does a <laughs> lot of stuff. One sneaky name I had. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 I was about to do, say. Do your thing. That, that's, that, that is Kay Ford. Kay Ford is one of my earliest guests on the show. I, I didn't even think he would do this show because he has such a large following, such a big account. Kay Ford. If everybody doesn't know what you do that's in the audience right now, let them know what you do. Well, I, well, I really appreciate that. I'm humbled you'd say that, KT. I always have fun coming on with you guys, you and Nino, and uh, good to be joined by the other guys here. So I'll always come on as long as I'm available with the, the home life and getting the kids covered and all that. But sure. um, my main area that I focus on uh, in college football is power ratings and resume rankings for FBS teams. So basically trying to, if you're familiar with Bill Connolly, SP+, ESPN, FPI, uh, Brian Fromo, FEI, those are the those are comparable metrics and, and those are metrics I aspire to be like um, in in the predictive space of just trying to power rate teams and then using those power ratings to make projections using for, moving forward and then I also use those ratings to um, create resume rankings for teams that become increasingly informative as the year goes on and we obviously just came out of selection Sunday weekend uh, when all the resumes are being compared and for the record I do think the committee got it right in the top four and I think they got the order right as well so uh, they typically do and that's how it kind of went but yeah that's what I do and again I appreciate the comments but um, it's always fun getting on and joining you guys so this is this has been great and I'm looking forward to where we're going next also one, we have one more coach I wanted to throw out there go ahead go ahead just one. It was uh, DJ Kine. He uh, he left incarnate. Yes, Nino. He went to Texas State. I thought that was, I thought that was kind of odd that yes, he took Nino. off. So uh, there's a guy I'm looking out for. Hey, 52.9 <laughs> points <laughs> per game more. at incarnate incarnate word. 52.9 points per game. I think he come into a situation another young coach similar to Kenny. Um, different situations for for sure. But you know, we'll see if he can make the Bobcats relevant in the Sun Belt. Alrighty, so we we are a little bit past the halftime mark, but Love one it. thing I think Nino and I want to do with this show is make sure these special guests that we get on get their get their moment. So uh, let's 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 talk to Austin for a second. Austin, Debbie Dees, I think a lot of people don't really understand what you do and how deep you guys understand college football. Uh, can you let them know exactly what you do with my 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 guys, uh, Felix Sharp on C two C? Shoot. 
Yeah, I try not to partner with Felix as much as possible. That guy's just, <laughs> he's just too much. Um, no, Felix is great. Um, so at Campus Canton, we handle basically everything college fantasy and college fantasy adjacent. So, you know, Debbie formats, uh, uh, college fantasy, and of course, uh, Campus to Canton leagues as well. We just provide tools, rankings, articles, podcasts, just pretty much anything that, you know, if you like consuming fantasy content, we try to create it for for college because it's it, three years ago when i or four years ago when i started playing this stuff there just wasn't that much of it out there so i kind of said you know well well screw it i'm already you know i'm already watching high school seniors let's go uh let, let's just go uh make a website here so that's what we do um and uh yeah we handle for everything from basically like high school juniors the whole way up until i mean we, we have some nfl content as well but but college is really uh, kind of our specialty Absolutely. We also got our guy Boomer in the building. Boomer's that dude. Boomer, tell him a little bit about what you do. Um, so I'm a primary IDP guy. Um, I used to be a big, big primary IDP guy. Obviously, college football is my favorite thing on the planet. Uh, I'm currently going to college at Oklahoma uh, to finish my master's degree in project management. Um, so that's the, you know, outside I mean, right after this, you know, we'll have a an audio, uh, Russell, and we have a, you know, you know, it's nonstop bringing people in to our, to that aspect. We also have the P2P, the pasta playoffs with me and Nino every Friday night, uh, discussing, you know, college football and and over in, you know, Nino came in as a big college guy or a big pro guy and. I promise you at this point, Nino is all college football at this point. Like, he absolutely loves it as much as I do. And this is where we really want to be, I think, long term. And, yeah, that's who I am. So, My guys, uh, my, my, my partner in crime, Moon. That, that's my business partner right there. What's up, I know bro? A, lot of, a lot of the folks already know Moon that are in the chat right now. Tell them a little bit about yourself. Hey, um, I am – the host of Fantasy Vibes, uh, fantasy football related content. That's what my focus and expertise in, really fantasy sports. Uh, also, the host of Fantasy Vibes Hoops. Um, I also COO of Rimworlds Productions. My lane is really, really fantasy, bro. Like, if you need anything, I got you covered. <laughs> got you covered. <laughs> Just trust me. <laughs> It's chess, but yeah, I'm I'm soaking up more into the lane of college football. I mean, of course, we always love college football, but with KT venturing off into this uh, college football nation, I couldn't be more proud of him, and also more proud of where CFB Nation has grown to, of uh, the connections we formed with Nino, Coach Boomer, Kelly K Ford, even Austin. He's just now here for the first time. Hopefully, it's not the last, but yes, that's that's what I'll do. Help. help. Help my boys, <laughs> my colleagues, <laughs> <laughs> and then I feel like my guys Anita was my, my, my brother moon. from another mother. He liked quarterbacks. I dislike. I like quarterbacks. He dislike, and that's what makes this show what it is. Nino, tell him a little bit about yourself. Man, I, listen, I I came into this, you know, like Boom said, I was an NFL dude. I was all about NFL and fantasy and dynasty and. I mean, I'm ready to kick that to the curb. I'm all about college football. I love everything about it. You know, this just the vibe you get just watching a game on Saturday compared to a game on Sunday. It's not even the same. It's not even the same atmosphere. 
you know, I, Boomer took me under his wing, you know, and groomed me. And it's been a, a ride. I love it. And then you reached out, and, and we get, we, we get, like, I get to do college football, like, three days a week. Like, it, the only thing better than that is to get paid and to do it, you know, 40 hours a week. So I'm, I'm loving what we're doing. You know what I mean? We got the college show Monday, Tuesday, no, Friday. I got, I got IDP after this. And total to the title of CFB Nation. I'm, I'm all about it. Uh, hey Austin, I got a I question told, for you. Yeah. <laughs> Austin, I, I've been thinking about you, bro. I got a question. Sure, what's up? Hey, David Shaw resigned. Twelve seasons at Stanford. He leads the winningest head coach in program history. What are your thoughts? I think it was time. Um, a, a lot of the guys um, were were talking about kids were talking about leaving. Anytime you have that happening in mass, you kind of have an issue. Um, they're a very difficult job to kind of figure out where they're going to go with the hire because they have they, they have a, a weird academic year for anybody that doesn't know that basically in the past has not allowed kids to enroll early. So that's really limited. Like, you know, that that's kind of like a, a good thing for kids like they, they like doing that to kind of get in, get experience, meet everybody, get familiar with the school, all those kinds of things. And then like they have, you know, academic requirements there kind of the little brother of like a lot of schools there in California. So it's just a very difficult job to find the right person for. Um, so I, I am interested to see what they do. I don't have, I, I've heard some rumors, but I don't, I don't have like a, a great name that I want in there. We'll, we'll see what they end up doing here. Uh, also, Austin, we were told to relay a message. Oh, no. Felix Sharp said when he sees you, it's on site. <laughs> <laughs> we just been well, told to relay a message. So Felix and I are going out in New York City in like a week and a half. So um, he'll get me back there, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. So um, I, I wanted to do that intro for a reason. I think we're about to get into a debate here. I'm not sure. But by a raise of hands, we're going to take it back to grade school. By a raise of hands, who's here? Who here was a fan of the BCS? I knew my guy K4. I, I knew my guy K4 was going to be a fan of the BCS. Already knew Moon was a fan of the BCS. Who here is a fan of the 14 playoff? Who here is a fan of the 12 team playoff? Okay. 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 So our guy Boomer is a fan of the 12 team playoff, right? We're going to hold that thought. Moon, your BCS guy. Talk to me about BCS. Ah, yes, the computers. <laughs> oh, I missed them so much. <laughs> From 1998 <laughs> to 2013, the computers ruled everything in college football. <laughs> I'm talking about this. What this is what helps college football determining Natty every year in the bowl championship series. If you don't know, I mean, to me, is the most accurate way to describe what these ranking systems would be. To say if there was like left up to algorithms, to formulas, like. I feel like during the 16 years that the BCS format was alive and well, I feel like the championship process was 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 just there, and it was just the computers doing their job, what they're supposed to do. I'm not against the computers. I'm all for being in a lab, but we got away from it, and um, then entered in the college football playoff. I think our hatred for the computers is kind of a little bit misguided because just, I think it's like. People just don't like the system and how repetitive it is. And the fact that, like, Alabama was just so dominant and dominant and dominant. <laughs> like, it's just made things repetitive, like, over and over again. But it was right. So, 
everybody knows what the the new format is, but that's a little intro into what the BCS Bowl Championship Series, aka the best thing smoking from 1998 to 2013. So I brought I this question, and the first two people I thought in mind were Moon and Kelly Ford, just because Kelly Ford is a math guy. I, I don't know if you guys can tell. He's, he's a math guy. So, K. Ford, you're a BCS guy. Why? Yeah, so, I mean, for a lot of reasons that Moon stated there. But you have to remember with the BCS, it was three parts. And two of the three parts were human polls. So, you had the AP poll and you had the coaches poll. Maybe it was the Harris. I can't remember. There were two. No, the AP was out of it, essentially. So, it was the coaches and the Harris. They were they made up 66% of what the BCS rankings were. There was only one-third computer. So, I am of the opinion that uh, computers can do a better job of rating and ranking college football teams than humans can. And that's not to discount the human element, coaches and former players, people that are around the game, know the game. They know football. They played football. I'm all for them having an opinion and helping inform the final rankings. But I think without computers to allow us uh, to kind of start with that initial seed list, if you will, it's really hard to just throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. And in my opinion, I love college football for the regular season. I'm not going to go too long into this. I know we have other people and we're running out of time. I love college football for the regular season. In my opinion, a 12-team playoff diminishes the most important games of the regular season, the games with the biggest stakes. Yes, you are making more games, quote, matter with playoff implications by expanding to 12. Yes, you're creating more quality football at the end of the year. But what you're doing is you're taking those stakes of 9 and 10 on the Richter scale, and you're basically making them for seeding purposes only. Both the teams are going to get in. And so, to me, I don't like that. Um, so I understand wanting to create more access. I understand it's more money, which ultimately that's what it comes down to. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. I work in college athletics. I can say this. We all know it. It's more money because there's more games. That's more TV inventory. All of that. I like four because as opposed to two even because there are some years, like 2019, for example, that's the year I always point to. You had 13-0 and 0 and super dominant LSU, SEC champs, Ohio State, Big Ten champs, and Clemson, ACC champs, defending national champions. In a two-team playoff and a BCS format, one of those teams is left out. You can make the case about 2004 as well when you had 12-0 and 0, uh, USC, Oklahoma, and Auburn. And mm-hmm. Can you believe that? Just, just in 2004, not even 20 years ago, a 12-0 and 0 undefeated SEC champion Auburn was left out of the BCS national championship game. That's crazy to think about now given the SEC standing. But to me, that's why I, I prefer two over 12, 100%. But I think there are times when we'd leave out a very deserving team in a two-team format versus the four even though we struggle sometimes to get four deserving teams, and I understand that. Guys, think about it. If we struggle to get four deserving teams, how in the hell are we going to get 12? Like, I'm sorry. I don't like it, and it is coming, so I've accepted it, and I've passed it. But since you all asked the question, that's how I feel about it. And um, I will watch the games, no question, but it's disappointing to me because I love college football for the regular season. It is the most regular season-centric sport we have in the entire world. Uh, with the exception of maybe like uh, um, European club soccer, where they do have tournaments and everything, but in their league, there is no postseason. It's just you play everybody twice, home and away, and then that's it. So with the exception of that, um, it's the most regular season-centric, and I love that. We're losing a little bit of that, but the 12-team playoff will bring some benefits too. So that's where I am on it. Boomer, for the people in the audience who are fans of the 12-team playoff, what are they getting? Well, here's the biggest thing. Over the last four years, what has been our biggest issue with bowl games? Players not playing. Yeah. Right? 
So and and we're talking about big bowl games. We're talking mm-hmm. Rose Bowl, Peach Bowl, Orange Bowl, Cotton Bowl, Sugar Bowl. Players not playing. Players transferring in the transfer portal right now before bowl season. You know, twelve players from Alabama, sixteen players from A and M. Right, teams that are in you know Alabama, blood team that you know in twelve team format that a chance to win national championship. Players from Alabama are transferring. Twelve, you know, four and five stars from this team are not leaving. You know, this month. And that is the biggest thing. Whether we're going to talk about money or not, the biggest issue with college football over the last five years are players sitting. And, you know, we hear this, you know, Florida wouldn't have beaten uh, – Florida would have beat the bricks off Oklahoma if their three starting wide receivers didn't do whatever. Starters out too, and they beat the bricks off of Florida. So uh, that's what we don't want to say anymore. We want to say, hey – all these players are saying, all these players are have still have something to play for. And that's why you really have 12 teams. Not for any other reason. And I get money's a thing. Guess what? People are going to watch college football during the bowl season anyway because what else we got to do? Hey, that money talk, though. Money talk, man. Boomer, I'm telling you, man. Money's number one. That's the reason but, but, I'm telling you. I, but, I think, and I'm with you. College is – Overall, gross is much more, and I and anybody can ask me. College is better than the pros, and and I said this on a TikTok the other day. Name if you name your favorite co- uh, pro football game you've ever been to in your life or watched. College has ten of them a, a season. Yeah, and that's a real thing. I mean, so in this aspect, and I get it, money talks, but hey, we are actually going to get more games that mean something, just like. The NFL does for playoffs. That's why they brought in more teams last year. That's why they did it. More money. More and, teams and have a chance to make portal it. Portal gets paused. Austin. Yeah. You ain't Austin, bouncing if out. you're playing a, main, a game that means something. Austin, do me a Jackson favor. Smith, close Jackson out this. Smith and Jigma might disagree there, Nino. He's, he's injured, though. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Yeah. I mean – I mean, I know like the major criticism of the BCS system. I know before you pass it to Austin, <laughs> the major criticism was that it seemed unfair to the teams in less prominent FBS conferences, so AKA the G5. Um, um, and like, so with the BCS, I mean, you had the ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, Big East, Pac-10, um, and SEC. They basically hit the AQ or automatically automatic qualifying and everything. So that that's how they ended up coming up with like the BCS conferences. But like, do y'all remember back in 2009 when they had those congressional hearings about the BCS? with the senator mr orrin hatch who ended up saying that that the bcs violated antitrust laws because his utah utes in his home state went 12 and 0 in 2008 and got left out of the national championship game and he came up and brought that up to there like i get that it was unpopular because there were teams left out but i still feel like the computers did a good job of putting high quality teams in Austin, go ahead in this discussion for me. We're gonna pass it back to Nino. Nino, you end out the show, give the final take for the show, and we're gonna get up out of here. 
Yeah, I really feel like Kelly and I have just like personifying that stepbrothers, you know, that we just become best friends. Because <laughs> <laughs> what he said with uh, basically for me, it comes down to two points. I'm not a fan of the 12 team either. And, and mm -hmm. the big one that he mentioned is that I think sometimes we struggle to find four deserving teams. Uh, I think most years we, we do not have that, quite frankly. So I think that's that's a big one for me. But I think the other part of it is a lot of people say, you know, we'll look at college basketball. They have this huge tournament. And they determine a winner that way. Yeah, Kelly, that's the exact same face that I make. Um, I the, mean, don't the you think Florida's going to change that, though? No. No. I, I UNC became relevant year one because of 13 starters from other teams. It wasn't just their coach. 13 starters from other teams. So you're saying the playoff will make more – playoff coupled with the portal will make more teams relevant because you can yes. turn it around quicker? I mean, yeah. but at the end of the day, USC didn't even deserve to get in this year. And they but, they, but we're talking about a team that had six wins last year. They're, they were relevant because of the transfer portal, not just because of their coach. I guess. I mean, the, thing, uh, the, the big thing for me is just that college basketball, that tournament is not designed to actually pick, like, the best team it's supposed to pick. It's, like, max chaos, max fun, like, the team that, that survives two weeks or three weeks or whatever wins it. Like, that's not what college football – has purported to do for the past you know however many years and there's and always so, that upset so i i just I, I just think you know yeah you're, you're you're searching for chaos you're searching for fun at the end of the day those are great things and i'm sure <laughs> the money obviously comes along with it uh but i i am not on board with that but you know it is what it i like i said i'm going to watch it so you know am i a hypocrite maybe i don't know <laughs> nino <laughs> all right but we're gonna we got one topic left we're going to close it out with, and that's the Heisman candidates. I'm going to run through them quick. It's, you know, Caleb Williams, Stroud, Max Dugan, and Stenson. My only thing is, I find it to be an absolute outrage that Stenson Ben <laughs> is in the Heisman Trophy conversation. Blake Carter, John Robin. <laughs> Listen, we can make a case for Stenson. Sorry. I think he does not deserve to be in that conversation. Oh, don't get me going, Moon. Don't get me going. That's going to have to be a separate episode. Hey, tell me, me real you. quick. And this guy ain't even in the conversation at all. You're telling me Stetson Bennett are a better athlete than Tajay Spears? Hell no is the answer. We're not talking about better athlete. We're just talking about a Heisman finalist. The Heisman, <laughs> the I mean, we can make a case for Hendon Hooker at that point. <laughs> you want to put Hendon Hooker up there? <laughs> I was just about to say. Yes. I was about to say. Yeah, I'd put Hendon yes. Hooker in that yes. all day long over Please. Stetson Bennett. Please I mean, put Hendon Hooker. All, day. I mean, yeah. all I'm saying, all I'm saying is that we can make a case for Stetson. Just like I can make a what's case the for case? Hendon. What, what's the memorable? What's the memorable win that he had that he won the game for outside of everybody else on that list? You talking about one? You talking about one memorable win? But you can talk about he has the most wins against top twenty-five teams this year. And he has, so we talking about multiple. Five stars in front That's of him? on his he's resume. He's doing it by himself, though. He ain't doing that by himself. <laughs> I, I'm on, just trying to tell you I can make a case for my Georgia Bulldogs, Stetson Benny. <laughs> he's the worst hey, one in the, in the whole final. You should just have you should just have the BCS pick the Heisman finalists. <laughs> How about that? Uh, here we go. Here we that's go. It, that, that's all. Huh? <laughs> uh, KT, you know, close it out. Takes? I'm about to say, uh, you have any other takes before we close down? That is all I got. We were jam packed tonight. Yeah, it was. It was. This this was fun. Um, special announcement, everyone. We are going live moving forward every Monday, Tuesday. Mondays we doing what? Eight thirty, Nino? Or yes. we doing eight? Yeah, eight thirty Mondays, eight p.m. Tuesdays, 
Thank you, everyone, for being in here. Y'all made this a memorable episode. Shout out to my guys at Moon Vibe. Shout out to Boomer. Hey, Boomer. Boomer brought the heat, man. Hey, Boomer was ready for war. <laughs> Especially with that 12-team playoffs. Yeah, yeah. That's hey, my dude. War. Uh, shout out to my, uh, my guy, Austin. These C2C guys are sharp, man. They they come oh, in, yeah. they bring it every time. The, the few epi- episodes I've done with uh, Felix Sharp, He's been on it. Austin killed it today. K4, you already know what it is. It's always love. 9.30, Sunday morning. I'm waiting. Like, when he's when he's ready, he's going to drive with his every, every Sunday morning. I'm waiting for him. And Nino, you already know what it is. And so I always like to say, do something nice for somebody you normally wouldn't do. Always pay it forward. Peace and love. Peace and blessings. And until next time, everybody put them fingers in the air. Hey, the BCS needs to come back. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> uh, no, for real. Put, put, 